0: All right, welcome back to another EDU podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm Ty. And today we're going to talk... We have our our series of seven episodes. The first one was Curiosity. We're going to talk about uh, formative assessment and differentiation. That's kind of the next step. But that's the one that I wanted to talk about a lot of. Uh, We do if you're not familiar with Mesquite ISD, all of our campuses have a technology strand that they focus on. Uh, The majority of our campuses have picked formative assessment and differentiation.
1: Yeah, so we recognize that uh, maybe it's one of those buzzwords, maybe it's more than one of those buzzwords. But um, yeah, formative assessment, uh, people um, are really getting into it. um, So we wanted to make sure we have a conversation about what it is, what we believe it is, Some tips, some strategies, uh, the why behind it, and
0: uh, yeah, and just delve into some of the harder questions that um, we as technology facilitators uh, encounter. A lot of our teachers, you know, they don't, they don't quite, I guess, see the back end of it. They just think, "Oh, I'm supposed to give assessments. I'm supposed to differentiate." but the logistical side of like having so many campuses that are doing this, uh, yeah, we just wanted to, and we wanted to kind of explore that. So what is it? What is formative assessment differentiation?
1: Well, let's preface it by saying like, yeah, we work in instructional technology, but you don't need technology to formatively assess.
0: No, not at all, yeah, you can form, you can form assess with a number of different tools and that's all they are just tools any app website it's just a tool it doesn't have to be the end all of end all i mean you can have your favorites and you can use those regularly Mm -hmm. and i encourage teachers to uh, if you're looking for a new tool every week you're gonna make yourself miserable so
1: yeah i think that for me the power that the technology gives is we have the ability to check for understanding and pull the whole entire room and know exactly what each kid is thinking or what they're working on in just a matter of seconds. So if we have that ability to gather that data and gather that information, I think the question becomes what can we do with it?
0: I almost think that you know, you're know, you kind of being, I don't know, formatively, informatively, is that a word?
1: <laughs> informatively? Uh, informatively? I don't, I don't know.
0: know. I think you're, I think you're almost being assessed daily. I mean Google is, Google, Apple, Amazon, they're collecting data from you constantly. Sure. They're collecting data. Well, I'm saying we, they're collecting data from you constantly and using that data to change how you view movies, how you view music. I mean, I don't know how many times I got on Netflix and they suggest something. I'm like, man, this is great. Netflix is on <laughs> point. But the, the point I'm trying to make is you're, you're using that data uh, in your classroom or in life to change what you are giving to your students and addressing each of their needs. And that really kind of ties in with what is it. So I guess a formal definition would be, you're giving a student an assessment and you're using the data from that assessment to change your instruction based off that student's needs.
1: Yes, and I want to make sure that we understand the difference between a formative assessment and a summative assessment. Okay. Right? Formative is throughout the learning, more informal, those check for understandings, while a summative assessment is more of at the end of a learning process to make sure that we know what we were supposed to to learn along the way okay. um so more yeah. of like a six weeks test right or a, a checkpoint or you know something like that that's a more summative assessment
0: yeah and in mesquite we do uh, district checkpoints every uh, so often every nine weeks six
1: or nine weeks, six or nine weeks, or nine weeks yeah. yeah
0: and uh those are kind of our summative assessments we give the district but it doesn't have to be a district i mean if you work in a district that doesn't do that or doesn't give out uh, some of the assessments you can always create your own or do, so like, do your own
1: yeah for formative assessments uh, here's what we believe we believe that teachers should be designing formative assessments and respond to that feedback by adjusting instruction and then we also believe that teachers should provide uh, a variety of relevant choices at different learning levels and it's all to address the individual student needs.
0: Yeah, and so if you look at Mesquite Eyes, we have a district technology plan. If you look at that, it has different levels as one two, as teacher behaviors and, and student behaviors as levels one, two, three, and four, and they build off that. Level one is just getting started. And level four is you're mastering it and you're doing
1: uh, more frequently. More frequently, or, of yeah.
0: course, like every day. Um, so.
1: so the question is, once we have that data, right, what do we do with data that we're collecting?
0: yes what are we doing with the data Uh, we why we do it we want our learners to provide authentic feedback to teachers about their current level of understanding so we want our students to take an information and tell us the teachers tell us what they know and how I guess to a deep level they understand the content that's being that has been presented to them
1: yes and I want to ask the question is do we believe that we have the obligation to meet every student's individual learning needs.
0: Uh, Do you believe that? I think we should. Yes. But I don't necessarily think it's that. You know I think that a lot of times some of the other stuff gets caught in the the way and we kind of lose that side of you know we we focus on what I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this.
1: There's a Uh, lot. It it can be overwhelming for sure.
0: Whereas you know meeting the needs of all of your students individually I mean, it really should be the first and foremost thing you you kind of think about when you go into a classroom. And we mentioned in our last podcast about designing a lesson and not yes. just planning. This right. is kind of ties in with that. When you design a lesson or design something for your students, it should definitely be student-centered at the heart of it.
1: Absolutely. And I think that while we're designing those lessons, we can be intentional about building in or including those, you know, quick, informal check for understandings, um, to gather some of that data and I think uh, for us what goes along with formative assessment is the differentiation. I think we we assess in order to differentiate. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, hundred I, I, you know, percent. and I've, We mentioned this before we started recording and everything. I, I'm on the mindset of you, and this may be wrong completely, but you, when you go to differentiate your students the formative assessments part should come a little more naturally And that you when you you know if you say you want to differentiate your classroom right you would then find a tool a form of assessment tool that meets that need I need data from my students Um, and that's kind of where it ties into we take the data and we use it to differentiate so what is differentiation
1: to me I think that during that instructional time it's to make learning personalized so it is for our kids to be able to take ownership of that learning process, ownership of their growth, and um, give them choices to make while they're working. Um, and maybe it goes back to passion like we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think it's it's so that w- we know that not every kid learns the same.
0: Is that always easy? No. no definitely no.
1: not. And so and we're going to talk about some of those concerns that <laughs> – You know I had in the classroom and it I still have I mean that takes a lot of time and it takes practice and so I would encourage you to um, know that you're not alone in this right there's resources and other teachers that you can talk to that to help you learn how to do this
0: I think for the most part it's what I think it's you know I think a lot of them is want power you know what do you want for your students and some of the we'll get to some of the common things we hear but what do you want yeah what do you want for your students? That's a good question and that I, that you can kind of focus on. But one of the things we're, we're probably going to be bouncing around between formative assessment and differentiation, so you'll just know that they're uh, different, but do we focus too much on the assessment by nature? As teachers, do we I mean, I think I've seen that in the classroom or several I've, I've seen it in several ways or areas of different like math and different subjects where they give a test or give an assignment or a quiz or something and it's just to see how they're doing.
1: I think assessment do has become a bad word yeah, um, for, for sure. sure. And I think, uh, you know, that assessment is one of those star words, right? And, and I think still uh, teachers and, and definitely students, they know that whenever they hear assessment that we're talking about some kind of test. And so I think that that's something that we can do a little bit better job Teaching is that an assessment doesn't have to be a test. It could be as easy as a quick thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, That's assessing the room.
0: I mean, if you're using a tool like Nearpod, it could be a quick poll or right. something in the middle. You could do it in the middle of a Nearpod. You could do a quick poll and see, okay, the first half of the Nearpod, they didn't get it. So now I got to go back. Now I got to go look at this information again another way, maybe.
1: So I might encourage that whenever you hear, you know, assessment, just be open to that idea because. Um, you know, it's not always somebody trying to catch you or trying to, you know, to, to see if you're not doing your job. Um, it, it's just a, a measure of progress.
0: So one of the other things that kind of that I wrote down here is, is that how were we taught how to teach that? When you go through school, when you go through the, the, the college curriculum, you know, what are you how are you taught? Are you taught how to teach? Right. And if, I, you, if you're taught, I feel like in my formal education, it was just. It was just a kind of a a, a no-brainer. You know, you you give tests. You give tests as a teacher, right?
1: Yeah, you definitely give tests.
0: But nobody ever teaches you what to do with that, right?
1: Yeah, so I remember my C&I curriculum instruction class, we had to design a unit, and we definitely had to include a big assessment that was (laughs) building the summative assessment, right? But along the way, I don't remember being intentional about planning any other – me, any other measure to see how kids were doing in that learning process, and I can't think of a single other college class I had that would have given me that information.
0: Oh no, I mean you know going back to yeah my college experience, not a single one I can think of in that really taught me um, how to delve deeper and really how to I mean maybe service them, but how to serve my students to the best of my ability and theirs. I don't, I don't think I and I, I brought up the part about changing how teachers are taught because uh, you can do that in a number of different ways you know we do a lot of professional developments with this stuff but I hate I mean I, I sometimes I think it's kind of over the head goes over the some, a lot of people's heads sometimes they're like I don't really know how to do that I find that um, when I do and we'll get to this point next in, in a second but I want to bring this up I think when I do one on one stuff with teachers mm-hmm. it's way more effective I could see that and the reason I bring that up is we're, we're in a classroom setting you're teaching to a kid you're teaching to kids, whatever, students, adults, whatever you're teaching them, and you're not giving them one-on-one. You're not giving them one-on-one attention, but you expect them to get it, right?
1: Yeah, I guess so.
0: But when you're in a... I mean, how many teachers' eyes are glazed over in a staff development?
1: Could be a lot, yeah. Could be a lot,
0: right? But I do a staff development or something, and I don't think I'm getting the bang for a buck, but I do a one-on-one... You know, I meet one-on-one with the teacher, and I feel like they get so much out of it.
1: I think, yeah, I think that's another challenge for us whenever we do teach teachers and have those professional learnings, is if we're expecting teachers to formally assess and differentiate in the classroom, then we have to offer professional learnings that are doing the same way to model that.
0: And I guess I took the long way to get to that point. That's the kind of point, (laughs) rambling. Uh, That's the point. Some of the biggest uh, questions that we get, and we have four big questions that we usually get from uh, that i get from teachers and titas but we'll kind of go through them uh how do i manage small group instruction any ideas
1: so are you talking about like teachers like asking different, you different are you, are you talking about the same assignment that yeah, it could be kids are working in groups
0: yeah how do i manage like small group how do you manage um take our literary literary circles okay in the elementary level how do we manage this small group instruction for our students what are some good tips i guess ways you could do that
1: so uh, classroom management for me, uh, of course, I'm going to use technology. Um, so one thing that I'm going to make sure that, uh, that I do is if, if I'm expecting there to be a workflow between the student and teacher or teacher and student, I'm always going to be using Google Classroom. Yeah. Because if that is where their work is housed, then I have 24-7 access to give them instant <laughs> feedback to help them while they're working?
0: Yeah, I think task cards are another great tool you can use at different stations just to make sure that the students are knowing what they're doing. Uh, another one is how can I organize learning for students at different levels? Um, and I, I, will, I will say that with this question, I get it sometimes. I get teachers that think they have to create three assignments. Okay. Three assignments for three different levels, which it may not be the case. It may be you create one assignment. But the way you delve deeper into it is different at three different levels
1: sure so I, I think there's lots of different ways to differentiate so let's run down some of those you can differentiate by student abilities uh, it can also be differentiated by student interests or passions like what we've talked about yeah you could differentiate by their strengths and what a kid is good at
0: Location also
1: location. If you're,
0: uh, doing a science lesson or something okay. you can uh, I took my kids outside quite a bit because I I've taught in a science room with no windows so I mm-hmm. like to get outside so <laughs> I would go outside sometimes
1: um what learning styles yeah right? learning so depending styles. if you can capture somehow uh ask kids how do how do you learn best and then give them an, an opportunity to learn that way um that's a plus you can differentiate by uh the the product, right? Lots of choice. I know kids like that, right? Who cares how they learn about something if they learn about something? And
0: and there are quite a bit of tools that can help you differentiate by by learning choice so that you can use. Uh, One of the other ones was how do I make time for one-on-one instruction? A a lot of times I think we focus on I need to teach this kid but a one-on-one instruction piece can be so quick and easy. It can be walking around the room and you have a two-to-three-sentence conversation with a student and you just a may have taught them something you corrected a misunderstanding they might have you've gotten that you can also use um, peer tutoring peer learning is a great tool I have you know groups where they are teaching each other is obviously Mm -hmm. another tool so there are a lot of different ways you can get that one-on-one instruction
1: I think practicing our questioning with students is very important so if we're not practicing for that or planning it then think about when you're in class and on the spot. Usually we're asking kids questions that are low level. Um, They might be yes or no. And it might just be, hey, did you get that? Did you understand it? A kid's probably not gonna say no, right? So think about a better way to... Ask that question. And what's
0: that famous question that you ask? Does anybody have any questions? Does anybody have any? Nobody questions? Nobody says anything. Right, and then
1: you just hear crickets and say, "All right, time you, to move on."
0: You get that one kid that asks you a thousand questions, and the kid, you know, you're just like, "Oh man, I need someone else to ask me a question."
1: Yes, <laughs> and so that's why that's that's when I like to turn to some technology tools to kind of gather that because students are more apt I think to share online or share
0: you know I know we talk about form assessment differentiation and making learning personal but I almost feel like sometimes anonymously doing stuff is another great tool you know you can Mm -hmm. use Padlet and have the kids anonymously ask questions or uh, in a number of different ways you know you can have them just anonymously do it and they're I know they love the attention on, so, I love attention on social media and they love attention from a lot of areas of their life and sometimes for the wrong, you know, ways they misbehave. But um, that attention, right when you're trying to, you're trying to figure out what they need from you, it may not be the best option. You, it could be, you could do something else. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so... We're going to mention something, uh, this in the show notes. We have technology tools to use uh, and different ways to differentiate. Shout out to Doug in our department. Thank yeah, you. Yeah,
1: thanks, Doug. So We're going
0: to put that in there. Yeah,
1: whenever you're planning lessons, uh, a lot of times in PLCs <laughs> I've seen where maybe one person in the group, their job is to bring formative assessment ideas yeah. or to maybe uh, in their lesson plans hyperlink to something that they created or whatnot. So, uh, some just a quick list of formative assessment tools. Uh, Socrative, Socrative. I haven't decided how to say that yet. I have no clue. All right. I'm lost. Uh, Quizlet Live is one of my favorite. Edpuzzle and PlayPosit, right? Oh, so, all you great. can embed, yeah. check for understandings within videos. Uh,
0: there's a bunch of different quizzes, a bunch of different things that you can use to, to bring those in. Um, yeah. But thanks, Doug. Appreciate all your hard work there. <laughs> uh, going forward to, uh, is it is. Is it We talk about formative assessment differentiation, right? Is it more about the differentiation than it is the formative assessment?
1: I guess if our number one concern is student learning.
0: Okay, if that's our biggest concern, yeah. Then
1: Then maybe the differentiation part is more important. But I think the tough part is, is that a lot of times we don't get to that because we get caught up in using these tools and using these check for understandings. Like how often do we do a Google form just to collect some data and collect some info, but we're not actually looking at the responses of the spreadsheet.
0: What are you doing with that data? I mean, it, I, and I hate to say this, too. I know this happens a lot. We give a test, and then they didn't do so well, so we don't put it in the grade book.
1: Oh, I didn't do that. I never
0: did it, but I saw other people that did it. But that kind of stuff, uh, what are we doing? Even if even if we're not going to put... what The guess the point I'm trying to make is you don't have to take a grade on every form of assessment, on every little no, thing. No,
1: no, and... I, uh, to be honest, I, mean, I, I don't know. Did. I don't know that you should grade oh, form no. of assessments.
0: No, I mean you can give te- you can give tests and quizzes right for grades, but I find that I have teachers that, I've seen people that want to. I guess they have it in their mind. You know, I have. I give this assessment. I need to put it in the grade book, but it may not be something that is you. That's not useful. That's one point I'm trying to. That's yeah, not useful.
1: I think grades should represent the learning. And so when you think about it, if a kid is, you know, doing a quizzes or a kahoot and they get six out of 10 questions right, I'm not going to give the kid a 60 because, I mean, no learning took place, right? That's true. But what I might do is what if I could look at the four things that he got wrong and design some kind of piece to have him now either learn or or reteach or get that information in a new way? what if he could then show me his understanding and mastery of what he didn't know? I think he would deserve a higher grade than a 60 than that.
0: And I think tools like Kahoot, I mean, I know Kahoot's a popular one. Kids love it. Teachers like it. But I, I find the majority of it is, uh, Kahoot is an opportunity to read a, to give a question out and get data immediately. Yes. And you can, you can differentiate immediately. You can address things immediately. And then you can use the data after that. And it's a fun game and they may not, I mean, they probably don't realize that they're being assessed, right? But I mean, do how, they?
1: How often do we go back? Real, yeah. Do we really go back? I mean, it even has the feature where you auto-run it, right? It just yeah. immediately goes to the next question. So, is that even is that valuable?
0: I don't think I don't think the auto feature is valuable. I think if you, uh, as a teacher, I think my belief is that you would give the assessment or give the question, you would see the feedback, and then you would you you would immediately note or make some sort of you know obviously it has data you can pull yeah. later, so it's easy, but. You would use that data to differentiate your classroom but and reach those here, kids. Here's
1: a side note. IMHO, never give a kahoot or quizzes with more than 10 questions. I, no. I, I don't know about that. Oh, no. That, that gets a little excessive. Okay. 20, 30 and, and so questions. So whenever we talk about if we're wanting to differentiate, one of the main concerns that, that teachers have is the time it takes to To build that in, or to plan for that. I
0: mean, I would almost say that ten questions might be still a lot.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I would Absolutely. do three to
0: five max. <laughs> <It's> three to <laughs> yeah. five, like because three to five. The my goal, I guess. But my mindset is my goal is not to, or what's the goal with a ten question quiz? My goal is not to get a grade. It's not a gotcha. It's not a oh see they don't know anything. It's I'm trying to see exactly what you know in the, I guess the least possible or least obtrusive way possible. Okay. Is that a good way to say that? Maybe. Maybe not. (laughs) The least possible way I want to get the information, get it, and boom, go for it and go for it and differentiate. Um, But so we got a couple things. Uh, I actually, I interviewed uh, two teachers before we did this and I wanted to ask them about it because it is, yeah, it is such a thing. And the two things I got is it has to be a production. It does not have to be a production.
1: Oh, you think like we build it up and... Yeah. and we have just been told hey you need to formally assess hey you got to differentiate for your kids so you well, I mean, have to put on this show and plan this huge big thing yeah, like every to, for every class period or every day you
0: have to plan a huge lesson around it and it doesn't have to be like that no. it's 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 so simple i mean a three question quiz and you're changing instruction immediately i think there there's just a lot of different ways you can do this and even i mean i've planned with teachers and they were like oh you know i want to differentiate and my suggestion was take them outside. You're doing a science lesson. It's over um, something in nature, and something in the, the physical world, and I was like, take them outside and do it.
1: So, said, but how it? is that differentiating? Taking them outside. Well,
0: in that aspect, they were going outside. She was giving a quiz. She was, they were doing different levels, but it was also another aspect of it where they could see what they were doing. It was rocks and soil. Okay. So they were getting that hands-on. They could see the rocks and soil. Got Instead it. of bringing dirt to them, it's outside. Just going to, instead of bringing a bag of rocks in, you could have it outside and go out there. And so it was just another way they could physically touch it and hold it. Got it. I want, and, I, and I think in, with minerals and rocks, there are so many that it's, e, it's easily so, a like that.
1: yeah, on our list, that'd be what? The tools needed to complete the assignment. Yeah. You can differentiate that way. Absolutely. Yeah, of course.
0: But so another one was how, how do you make – um, differentiation and form assessment and differentiation, How does it, what does a natural look like in a classroom? How was doing it naturally look like?
1: Well, let's start with formative assessment, okay. a natural formative assessment. Um, I think it's, uh, like I said earlier, quick thumbs up, thumbs down, quick yes, no. Um, it, it doesn't have to be, again, something, it, if you are not used to or comfortable with using technology for formative assessment, Um, then you can get help and you can find things that are already created for that. Um, So I wouldn't force it if if that's going to be a struggle for you and take more time. Um, That kind of thing. It just takes practice.
0: I mean, I I almost think, too, you could kind of level with your kids. I mean, you can tell them why we're doing this, right? Like you could, I mean, if you just get, you know, hey, we're going to do a quiz today. The consensus is probably groans, right? They're probably not going to like it.
1: Exactly. But
0: if you were like, hey, I want to give you a little short three-question quiz, that way I can figure out how I can best serve you.
1: Right? It's people first. I think if you're up front. uh, My experience in the middle school classroom, in high school for sure, is I think they respect you more for that because it shows them that you're concerned um, for them, and it's almost like you're giving them options. You're giving them choices, and you're giving them opportunity to – have an impact on how they learn something.
0: And like like Ty just said, in in that middle school realm, I found that I had better success when I would explain a lot of things to my students. And it may have taken an extra second or two, like they asked me to go to the bathroom and I would explain it to them why I don't want you to go at them right now. <laughs> I got better consensus, better behavior, better, I guess, mindset from that than just going, no.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: Yeah, so. so one of the other things we'll talk about is how do I get over this fear of differentiating? We kind of have four different things uh, to to mention. This differentiated differentiated instruction is more qualitative than quantitative.
1: So more about the quality, yeah. and not about how much your students are doing. Is that what you're going for there? Yeah, if
0: you're not uh, not, I'm sure I'm sure we've encountered teachers that like give a quiz on Friday. Okay. Okay, and is that a quality assessment? I don't necessarily if you're using that to drive your instruction monday first thing Mm. maybe okay but if i don't think quizzes every week in in like a 10 20 question format are useful
1: yeah can we predetermine a set amount of assessments for any given time until we at that point we don't even know if they're necessary do we
0: yeah and that's the point i was definitely trying to make is would wouldn't you give a, you would give a quiz or give an assessment based off the needs of your students, not based off the I need you to take this quiz.
1: A formative assessment,
0: sure. Yeah, a formative assessment.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, the other, another one is differential instruction is rooted in assessment, and that's where I guess my mindset is: is I'm going to differentiate. I need to give some sort of assessment. It is, It can be a three question exit ticket that I different that I start off the class the next day differentiated or something.
1: Are you? So uh, that's a question that I have, let's talk about exit tickets, right? Okay. If those are used to adjust instruction, well, yeah. at that point your instruction is ending. Yeah. So is it still, do you think it's still relevant the second day? Well, think about in high school if it's A day, B day, right? That's, that's two true. days later.
0: Hmm. I, so, I, I think it's relevant in elementary and middle. Because you're, you might see those kids every single day, right? So let
1: me tell you about something that I would do a lot, right? When, okay. when I got on the exit ticket train, um, <laughs> it, was, it was a right, post-its. We know kids love post-its, right? They like sticking them different places. Yeah. So I remember back in the day, I would give every kid a post-it, and I would say, all right, guys, on your way out, we're going to you know, answer this question, we're going to throw it on the door, you know, and that's how you get to leave class today is whenever you put that post-it up. I never once looked at a single one of those no, post-its to determine all, anything, right? So, are we it's really trash. using it? Yeah, they just went the right in file thirteen, right there in that trash. <laughs> so, so are we key. collecting? Are we doing it for a purpose? Well,
0: maybe you know, maybe your exit ticket, I guess, is maybe it's not sticky. Maybe it's something digitally that they can come back to the next day. Maybe it's, uh, it, it, and it might not be useful. You're right.
1: Well, maybe the moral of the story is. Make it purposeful.
0: Make it purposeful or question the purpose behind your, what you're doing, yes. your assessment.
1: If you're not going to use it, why do it at all?
0: Or I would say if you have a hard time, like right now, I'm going to be, Ty just challenge me about that exit tickets and I'm kind of <laughs> rethinking them. So maybe uh, if, if you have a hard time justifying something, is it useful? Is it purposeful? Uh, and that's kind of the moral of that one, right A- there. Ask
1: yourself that, and then also when you're meeting uh, in common planning with teachers, ask ask your colleagues about that.
0: Be that person in the group in the planning group that challenges everyone. And it's, would, o-
1: it's okay to be that person. No, they're gonna love you. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's okay to be that person. It you is have okay. My permission. Yeah.
0: Those are the people. You know, those people that drive us forward. Absolutely. Um, and it's great to be surrounded by them. <laughs> Thanks, <Sometimes>. Jack. Some <laughs> Uh, another one is different instruction is taking multiple approaches to content process and product. I think that's kind of the, a, a big one for me is not necessarily looking at – I think when as teachers, too, we design a lesson, we design whatever, a structure, an assignment, and we in our head have a uh, – we have a, a generated product. Design, what do I want from my kids, right? Mm-hmm. And this might be a different mindset of thinking what can – what can they give me based off their abilities?
1: So I've been working on uh, this inquiry-driven project-based learning class uh, that I've been taking, and, you know, our, our final project was based on designing a PBL uh, unit. And so I had to, to, to grade and comment and give feedback on, on other people's. And what I noticed a lot of times is, we feel like as teachers we have to give the kids so much information like we have to tell them what resources to use we have to tell them what product we want at the end and so So
0: I think we need yeah control
1: yes exactly we have to have that control because we have to make sure that they're learning that teak right and that guys we've got to kind of take a step back from that and and just know that it it is too hard and too time-consuming to create multiple assignments and 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 create multiple processes and, and ideas for products, why can't we just leave that open for the kids to decide?
0: And, and it's almost you know we have we definitely have our favorite things in the digital world, right? Some you know take social media examples. Some people like Snapchat. Some people love Facebook, Instagram. And the point I'm trying to make is, I know in my classroom, I would start the year out. And I would tell my kids, "Hey, I want you to use this tool." And I'm like they're getting used to the tools, they're getting. Used. And sure. There's expe-
1: a time to teach those.
0: Yeah, and especially in sixth grade, my kids were coming from an elementary campus where they weren't one to one, and so they were one to one now. So I had to spend a lot of time teaching digital citizenship, how to turn stuff in. Mm-hmm. Towards the second semester, my some of my assignments would just be one sentence.
1: So, do you think you saw a return on teaching those skills and those tools? early on
0: I did because I would teach a couple di- I would teach a couple different tools and it wasn't about the tool it was about the process okay of and I had an iPads, so it was hitting the share button these things my kids have never done and like I said towards the end I would I would give them hey I want you to do this assignment this is what I want you to do and it might be whatever tell me about something and I would tell them go and they would look at me the first time I did they were staring at staring like well, uh-huh. what do you want to use I don't know use whatever you want I don't care and so I would get let them start using their own, and you do. Your kids will have their favorites. They'll yeah. have their favorite things. Some people love iMovie.
1: And I bet they found some things to share their learning with you that you had never even heard of or thought oh, 100%, of. 100
0: percent. Yeah, they would find different tools or different things, or they would get research or information from different places that I never gave them, um, which lends itself to um, different learning styles. Yes. I'm getting my you know where we get our information all ties into your learning style i'm big on blogs some people are not they're more on academic websites they're more on these things so uh, it's just taking multiple approaches and you can design that or ingrain that in your students to i would almost question ask them how do you like to learn what do you like to do
1: yeah, and so I think it's just giving them the opportunity to take control of that learning. I think that was evident in some yeah. of the, our belief statements at the beginning. Here.
0: Oh, yeah, of course. And then the last one, I think this is there's no up for debate on this one. Differentiated instruction is student-centered. Uh, we are too often, I go, you go into a classroom or something, and it's teacher-centered. Yeah. Everything's about the teacher.
1: We are not the end-all, be-all source of all information that our kids need to know.
0: I mean, you might honestly think of yourself as a facilitator.
1: I think one step further from a facilitator, the teacher needs to be a coach, That's right? Neat. Teaching the kids how to, right, questioning, through questioning. See
0: challenging. Life. Thanks for challenging me, Ty.
1: Be a coach, not a facilitator. Be a dad. coach,
0: not a facilitator. <laughs> That's that. We should tweet that. That's a little tweetable thing. Um, so going to the last bit of this, um, pros and cons. So this is from, it's from website, education.cu. We'll put it in the show notes. It's from Portland EDU. Um, and so it has... I think it was pretty interesting, some of the pros and cons. So some of the pros of this were uh, research shows differentiated instruction is, uh, is effective for high-ability students as well as students with mild to severe disabilities, which I thought was really um, eye-opening that it's on both ends of the extreme spectrum. It's for everyone. Yeah, it's for everyone. You can use this with you know, kids who have disabilities. You can have this with um, your higher GT, pre-AP, those, those high-up-their kids, and they can um, build on it. One of the other ones was, was when students are given more options on how they can learn material, they take on more responsibility of their own learning. I mean, how, that, right, that statement alone right there, how many teachers wouldn't love it if their kids took on their own learning? Absolutely. I mean, isn't that what we want?
1: And I think that goes with passion-based learning is if kids are excited about how they're learning about something or if they're in control, then I think they're going to do a better job of it, and I think they're going to take it further than we could have ever imagined.
0: Oh, yeah. So last one, this one, I think this one hits at the heart of every teacher, right? Students appear to be more engaged in learning, and there are reportedly, man, I can't speak, fewer discipline problems in classrooms when teachers provide differentiated lessons. That goes back to passion-based learning. If you are passionate about something, you're highly engaged in it, you're not worried about what your friend, you know, you may not be worried about what your friends are doing, or you may not be worried about trying to get that attention, from the teacher. I mean, that's. I guess that's essentially what bad behavior yeah. is, right?
1: I know that there, there are, there's definitely bad behavior in classrooms. Yeah. I wonder how much of that bad behavior stems from students not having their needs met, right? Maybe learning. Uh, it wasn't. They're just not interested enough, or maybe the task that you're having them do is. Um, I don't. Maybe they feel like it's unimportant. Um, so Boredom. I w- yeah, it could be boredom, right? I mean, how
0: many... I, and I'd like to take a step further and think this is kind of a funny little paradox. We have these kids in class. <laughs> we don't want them to use devices or like their personal devices, right? Right. And how, many, how many kids... But if you go to a staff development, how many teachers do you see on your phone? On all, their phone?
1: All of us. They're all
0: on their phone. We're all on our phone, right? And why why are we on our phone? Because probably what's on our phone is more more interesting to us than what's going on around us.
1: Could be, absolutely. And so, but
0: I, I've i been to those staff developments or those professional developments that were so engaging, you just left your phone in your pocket. Sure. And that everyone was into it, and it was great. So they're, think about that's one thing to think about in, yeah. in that mindset. Uh, some of the cons. So some of these... I don't know. They're interesting. We'll see. So different instruction requires more work during lesson planning, and many teachers struggle to find the extra time in their schedule. I definitely think it does require a little more time. I don't think it's that significant.
1: I think it... I could be wrong. I personally believe that it's something that we should be doing anyway, right? Yeah. If our job is to meet the needs of all of our kids and make sure that they're learning, I think that that becomes a part of it. However... I don't know that it doesn't have to be all on you or all on one person. No. And, and for the most part with the, you know, take out some high school teachers and some you know electives and, and special classes and whatnot, you have a team of people to help you. And so I think if we can learn how to work together during some of that common planning time that we might have, I think it takes a little bit of the load off.
0: And the other question I would ask is, is, is everything you're doing a good use of your time? A would,
1: great question.
0: I would say probably not. I would say there's a lot of stuff that we do as teachers, um, or even people in general, we do a lot of stuff that just wastes our time. And then we complain I don't have time. But Maybe
1: because we've, we've just always done it that way.
0: Maybe having, like Ty is challenging me during this. <laughs> challenge each other to, you know, is that a good use of your time? If you're gonna spend 30 minutes looking for a worksheet, in a drawer in a random binder you did 5 years ago is that a good use of your time that's 30 minutes of your time and i've been in planning sessions where that was happening
1: right if i'm going to you know stand at a copier and wait 10 15 minutes for a packet to print out you know when i could just share that digitally with some students that's 15 minutes of my time that maybe i could spend on you know personalized learning
0: or that if you're going to you know, that person that comes into planning, and I think we've all been around this person, um, he or she wants to complain for the first 15, 20 minutes, or start a conversation, or talk about something else. Yeah, you know, so,
1: I mean, not, not to be negative, or, no, or not point at all. fingers, or, or any of that, I would just challenge everyone listening to, to think about... Um, think
0: about your time critically. Yeah. How are you using it, all right? Um, the next one, the learning curve can be steep, and some schools lack professional development resources. I mean I would say I don't necessarily think that's very true in Mesquite I think we have a lot of resources here I don't can't speak for any other districts I think
1: for everywhere we all have the internet right exactly I think yeah. there's an unlimited amount of resources I think it goes back to time so when I think about professional learnings that I give I might give it one day and then three years later a teacher might come to me and say hey remember whenever we did this a few <laughs> years back and and while it can be frustrating on my part to be honest, the teacher didn't have a need for what I was doing at that, that moment. Yeah, at
0: that time. So
1: I don't think that it's fair to...
0: I, I, I almost think, too, how much of your professional development is up to you?
1: Yeah. do We talk about we want our students to take ownership of, of their learning, I think that it's equally as important for us as educators to take ownership of our learning. Yeah,
0: I know we do, you know, in Mesquite, we do professional, uh, we do paper knowledge classes, professional knowledge classes after that our department, the technology department, puts on. Um, and I would say that those are vastly underutilized in, a, in, a, in some some sense. And some of our professional development resources that you can find on the Internet are vastly mm-hmm. underutilized. Yeah. There's um, even if you have a favorite tool Um, like Seesaw, Nearpod, I know for sure those two, they offer professional development online over how to differentiate with their tools. Sure. They have a YouTube channel.
1: So for the people that are saying, you know, yeah, time is a factor, and, you know, maybe I'm just not that tech savvy or whatnot, there are people out there who can help you. In our district, it's your instructional technology facilitators. It could be your instructional coaches. There are people who are willing to help, and you know what if you're in another district and you want to learn something and and you have a need i will help you oh yeah I, 100%. I don't, we don't want anybody to feel like you don't have resources or you don't have anybody to help um at the end
0: of the day it's about our students absolutely that's it that's everything um and the last one critics argue there is isn't enough research to support the benefits of differentiated instruction outweighing the added prep time again it goes back to that whole is it a production thing if you're spending an hour or two trying to design a differentiated lesson, maybe there's an easier way to do it.
1: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And but you know what? At at first, it it generally it might take that long if you're trying to yeah. you know do it for the first time or learn how to do it. Um, like we said, you know, teachers coming straight out of college, we don't we don't know what kind of classes are preparing us to be teachers and to know how to formally assess and differentiate. We have some, uh, in a academy, uh, some professional learning that we offer for yeah. our first and second year teachers here in the district that I know that's certainly a part of. But
0: um, But I, I almost do, you know, there are amazing first year teachers. There are. Yes. But there's a large portion of us that are just trying to find our way.
1: And, and I think what I'm trying to say is it takes practice. Yeah. It is not something that you can just say, okay, I'm going to use formative assessment today and I'm going to differentiate it is not it 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 definitely takes time and practice and experience with kids
0: just like any skill you know a great basketball player a great athlete musician whatever it takes years and years and years of hard work i mean when you meet those teachers that are like master teachers that are amazing and they're like oh yeah i'm 15 years in yeah you're like whoa that's amazing you should be and you know
1: what don't be afraid to ask those people questions to go check out their class Take some time instead of you know on your conference time. Take a chance and go watch what they do. Try to soak in every single thing that they're doing, and you'll learn something.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you this, and I mean this is my first year in this department, and I've already learned. We have a uh, another facilitator, Miss Stroud. She's amazing at foreign assessment and differentiation, and I've learned so so much from her because she did it in an elementary classroom for years. Mm-hmm. And not to say that. Um, I taught sixth grade science, so I only did science all day. Differentiating with three to four subjects per day is, takes skill. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I can't either. Differentiating in science alone, I was like, I'm I'm amazing. But like, (laughs) seeing elementary teachers and and what they have to do every day and what they're capable of achieving, I'm like, man, they're amazing.
1: Yeah, that blows me away. With especially you know from those early grades, kinder, first, and second grade, like I yeah. can't imagine having to teach a kid to read, to have that responsibility on me, and knowing what level each kid is at, and and how to grow them, and how to it seem it's a huge responsibility. And shout out to everybody out yes. there who does that. And I,
0: I would often say too, at every different level of formative assessment and differentiation, a, a big factor that plays in this is creativity. Like like Ty just mentioned. If you have kids that cannot read, different, the way you differentiate is different than a sixth grade teacher, than a high school teacher. So you have to be creative in the classroom. And if you have a team of people that can help you and be uh, support, your support system, that's incredible. Right. So hopefully we expanded a little bit on form assessment and differentiation, and it may not be as confusing uh, as it was at the beginning of the episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll...
1: See you next time. See you
0: next time. Thanks, guys. Bye.